Good morning, New River Valley family. Welcome to church this morning, everyone. And uh, I'm really excited that today we've just kind of finished our seven-week series studying out the spiritual disciplines. And today we get to begin kind of our theme passage and uh, really the vision and series that we're going to be continuing through the first half of this year. And that is the way. And the way is spiritual formation into the way of Jesus. And so we're going to be filtering and studying out that concept over the next few months. If you have a Bible, turn with me over to Matthew chapter 11 this morning. Let me get a hallelujah in the comments when you guys get there. You know how I love to praise the Lord, so hallelujah. Let me see, did we get any hallelujahs yet? Uh, no. no hallelujahs. Let's get a hallelujah. Uh, there's one, Sarah Hey, Martin. <laughs> Sarah Martin, I can always count on you to say hallelujah to the Lord. Come on, guys. Awesome. So I, now that we're at Matthew chapter 11, please bow your heads with me. Let's say a prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we pray that you uh, speak truth into our lives, God, that you uh, lift our loads. God, help us to take a moment here with you. As you lead us to Calvary, as you lead us through the process of, of dying to the flesh and living for you as we are formed into the likeness of Christ, God, we thank you for dwelling among us. We thank you for showing us the way to wholeness, yeah. the way to eternal life, the way to heaven, both on earth and with you and your kingdom for eternity. God, we pray that you move in us, mold us, shape us. God, burn away the things that are not of you. And add to us the goodness and knowledge of Jesus. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus Christ's holy name and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. As we uh, begin this morning, I, I want to ask all of you guys to close your eyes for a moment. So close your eyes and picture yourself in the desert lands of the Middle East. You're in the first century and you're walking back into town from a nearby crop field. You're a day laborer, and each morning you go early into the, in the morning, you go into the town square, hoping to be hired for the day to work in the fields. And every day you carry a bit of anxiety with you in the morning with the burden of finding work so you can feed your family. And on the good days you find work and you go out into the fields with back-breaking work for a long day, cultivating fields. You trudge back and forth, heavy, heavy laden. And at the end of the day, you journey back into town, but still with a bit of anxiety, knowing that tomorrow will be the same. And open your eyes. And this is the sort of person, either physically or spiritually or both, that Jesus's words in Matthew 11 are directed to. Let's read together. Matthew 11, verse 28. I'll be reading from the ESV. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My first point for us this morning is laboring and heavy laden. And this idea of this yoke, 
this, this burden, this heavy laden labor that we put upon us. This, you know, for Jesus' audience, this would have conjured up images of the day laborers who go out every day and, and spend hard work in the fields in a hot place with yokes over their cattle as they're, as they're uh, cultivating the fields. And Jesus' language, when he says, come all who, are lab- who labor and are heavy laden, conjures up this imagery of a yoke that he then expounds upon. And a yoke, many of us are thinking, you know, that, that orange thing uh, in eggs, right? Full of, uh, what's, the, uh, what's the ingredient that are in yolks that's not good for us? It has all the high cholesterol, right? Is it high cholesterol maybe? Anyways, you know, doctors sometimes will say, hey, you know, egg whites are great for you, egg yolks, not as much, right? Um, but that's not what a yolk in Jesus' day was. It also is spelt completely differently, by the way. Uh, but a yoke was a big wooden board uh, like this one. And uh, what a yoke was in Jesus' day was this board that would be fastened above two necks. Baby, you want to come over here? Boom, bada bing, bada bang. That's a yoke, right? And what would have is this, this leather binding that would go around the neck and fasten itself into this board. And it would join two animals together. So if I turn, which way is Melina turn? If I turn this way, which way? Yeah, okay. If I stop, can she keep moving? Not really. If, if I keep going and she stops, can I keep? No, right? All right, there we go. That's a yoke. And uh, yokes were heavy. But they were also meant for oxen, not people, right? And so a yoke would bind, it would literally bind two oxen together with these leather cords around their neck. And it would keep the oxen able to plow fields, right? And what it would do is allow two oxen to carry a burden, to carry a load that one ox could not do by itself. And that even two oxes could not do individually. When they're bound together, they could carry it. What it would also do is it would kind of force and allow this weight to be distributed evenly, and it would allow the oxen to plow a straight field, to stay on the right path, to not veer to the left or to the right, but to step exactly where they're meant to step. And that's what a yoke was. But the yoke had a strong uh, Jewish rabbinic connotation to it. And many respectable Jews in Jesus' day, people who said, you know, who who were quote-unquote righteous or or law-abiding, kind of the good Jews would refer to themselves as having taken on the yoke of Moses or taken on the law of the Old Testament. The first five books uh, of the Old Testament are called the law or the Torah. And they'd say, oh, we've taken on the yoke of the Torah. We've taken on the yoke of Moses. And what this meant is that they were going to bear all those commandments in the Old Testament, that they were going to keep their covenant with God, that they were going to do the right religious things. And Jewish rabbis would also call their disciples in this day, to take on their yoke uh, onto them, right, and learn from them. Jewish rabbis would say, hey, take my yoke upon me and learn from me, the exact words that Jesus uses here. And this literally meant for, for the rabbis and Jewish disciples that disciples would sit at their rabbi's feet, that they would walk in their dust, that they would become like them as their apprentices. And this is this yoking, this is what discipleship is. But this yoke can sound incredibly burdensome too, especially when it conjures up this imagery of day laborers and and oxen and heavy loads. And practically speaking, in Jesus' day, these these yokes that the religious people spoke about, this common connotation of the yoke, it, it carried a lot of weight and it carried some harshness to it. 
Jesus speaks of the yoke of the, the Pharisees or the religious rulers of the day. In Matthew 23, verse 4, he says, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. And Peter, again, in, in Acts chapter 15, verse 10, when Peter's kind of in this argument about whether or not uh, Jewish, or sorry, Christians, Jewish uh, people who are converting to Christianity who, who weren't Jewish already, Peter's arguing, do they need to be circumcised or not? And, and Peter says, no. In Acts 15, 10, he says, now, therefore, why are we putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? And so we hear this yoke language, and Jesus speaks to it as well. Now, Jesus' words offered another yoke. They offered to bind us to a yoke different from these burdensome systems that we're still accustomed to. But here is the question. What we're experiencing in our, in our discipleship, is it really the yoke of Jesus? And is it easy and light? Mm -hmm. You know, many of us have tried to use this text to help someone who's going through a hard time in their discipleship or who's, who's suffering and, and, or mourning and who, who's just really heavy and burdened. And we, we bring them this text and we're like, oh, just be with Jesus. If you have a good quiet time with Jesus, his yoke is easy and light and, and, and you'll be comforted. And we use this as a comfort passage. You know, I've, I've spent years reading this passage whenever I'm feeling down or burdened, like I can't go on. I'm like, oh, yeah, let me take your yoke upon me, Jesus, and give me rest. Give me an easy and light burden. And we go to this passage for comfort, and it's become a comfort passage. But this isn't a comfort passage. Jesus isn't saying this just to comfort us. He's, he's saying, hey, you have other yokes you're bound to. Take my yoke upon you. Be bound to me. Then you're going to experience the rest you so desire. Then you're going to experience the comfort. Then you're going to experience the lightness or the light itself. But I wonder how many of us actually believe that Jesus' words here are true. Because I've spent years in my discipleship going back to them for comfort, but leaving and, and not really believing that they were true. I've had many years where I've experienced discipleship that was not this easy, light yoke of Jesus. And I wonder if anybody can relate to me, but there's been times in my life where I felt like the yoke of my discipleship was anything but easy. And I've had seasons in my walk with Jesus where I felt always weighed down by the thoughts and opinions of others. You know, I was really trying to please God, but I was also simultaneously trying to please other people, having these two masters, these two yokes. There's been other times where I felt like the regulations of religion were just too burdensome, where I want to be yoked to Jesus, but I'm also keep falling into the same patterns of sin and hopeless. Like, am I ever going to be able to get out of this? Am I ever going to stay on the right path? Or will I keep falling off to the right and to the left? Why is this happening if I'm meant to be yoked to Jesus? And then there's been seasons in my life like this past fall, the fall of 2020, where I, I just felt every week just burdened and heavy. And those who were close to me realized, like, people did not feel like, oh, man, Ben, his life's so easy right now. They're like, man, Ben is burdened. 
And when people see my life burdened, it doesn't make them want to imitate my life, right? It's not, it's not like Jesus. And in the fall, I was burdened every week. People ask me, oh, Ben, how are you doing? I'm like, man, I'm hanging in there. They're like, just hanging in there? Yeah, just hanging in there. And it's like I'm hanging on to this yoke, but there's other yokes that are competing yeah. for my discipleship. And I felt constantly restless in the fall. I did not feel like my soul was at rest. I felt like it was up to me to produce something, to get out of this uh, just, just heavy laden time that me and so many people close to me have been in. And as I reflect on this, I think there's three types of yokes. And I ask, can you relate to me in your discipleship? Can you relate to feeling like there's other yokes? Or maybe that, that your yoke is not easy and light. That the yoke of Jesus is not how he describes it here. I think we can feel that. And I think these three types of yokes, the first one I think is the regulations of religion. And this yoke is characterized uh, by when our love for God is outweighed by our work for God. Don't get me wrong. We love God. When we have this yoke on, we love God. But there, it's like a scale and, and the scale is tipped in the direction of our, our work for God. And this may be you if you find yourself doing all the right religious things. If you find yourself going to church every Sunday. If you find yourself reading your Bible nearly every morning. But then if you also find yourself still critical of others. If you find yourself losing your patience or scolding others in your mind, but slow to lay yourself beside them and counsel them and walk with them and lift up their loads. The regulations of religion is a yoke that's burdensome because we want to be like Jesus. We love Jesus. We love God, but we're so concerned with doing the right things so that we can be enough for that. We forget about actually walking with other people. And we're yoked to religion. We're yoked to our traditions and our duties and we're trying to balance that yoke while we're yoked to religion, but also yoked to Jesus. And then it feels burdensome. Religion defines our life by this yoke, but hasn't produced the rest that transforms our inner selves to actually make us more like Jesus, to actually spiritually form us in the way of Jesus. And the second yoke I think of, I call it the burdens of busyness. The burdens of busyness. And this yoke belongs to the systems of our world. We think, think about the day laborers in Jesus' day. Every day filled with this anxiety of, I need to produce today. I need to work today. Am I going to have enough? And we live in a consumerist culture today. A consumerist culture that defines our worth by how much we produce and what we consume. Think about how we go on Amazon all the time and always buying new things. What do we have? What can we make our own? But also, this yoke may also define you if, or, or be bound to you if you're constantly finding yourself worried about your future or your career or your savings account or your net worth or your relationship status. This yoke produces people that feel as if slowing down and spending time with Jesus or really obeying his commands is impossible because we're too busy. We have too much going on. We have too much filling our minds. And this yoke rears its ugly head when these people who are filled with busyness, filled with work, filled with kind of all this pressure of consuming and producing, finally have rest time. And what they do is they 
engage in escapist behaviors. The person who's busy all the time, but then when they finally get to rest, they're binge watching Netflix. When they finally get to rest and they're mindlessly scrolling or swiping on their social medias, they finally get to rest and they indulge in hours of video games or going out to the bars or trying to escape and feel something for a moment or just not have to feel something for a moment. This is the yoke of the burdens of busyness. And the third yoke is being joined to Jesus. Joined to Jesus. And the person who's joined to Jesus is able to do for Jesus as they receive rest from being with Jesus. When joined to Jesus, discipleship is not burdensome. We aren't restless in our religion or burdened in our busyness, but rather we experience rest in our souls. You know, being joined to Jesus is Jesus's yoke. And Jesus's yoke cultivates a God-centered identity, an identity that gets its worth from being a son or daughter of the most high God, not from what you can produce or what you can consume. Jesus's yoke lives out of an abundance and deep trust in God and his providence and protection rather than a heart of scarcity. Jesus's yoke is never hurried. There's always enough time. There's always a moment to sit with someone, to be compassionate, to listen. There's always room in the schedule for hospitality. There's always room in the budget for generosity. That's Jesus's yoke. Jesus is not hurried. And his life is filled with rhythms of silence and solitude, prayer and scriptures. And I ask us of these three yokes, which yoke is upon you? Or whose yoke is upon you? Is it religion's yoke? Is it busyness's yoke? Or is it Jesus's yoke? The scary thing about this is that most of the time we're trying to juggle two yokes. We're trying, we have, we're joined to this, this system that's so ingrained in us and in this world. And then we try to add Jesus' yoke on top of it. And Jesus is like, hey, just be in this moment. Just be silent. Listen to me. But the yoke of religion is saying, speak, correct, be critical. Or, or we have the yoke of busyness and burden. And it's do, 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 produce, have success. If you don't do this, you won't be enough. You won't be worth anything. Nobody will want you. But Jesus is saying, you're enough. Trust, relax. Rest with me, read with me, talk with me, go and just be with me. And you're saying, I don't have time for that. I can't fit that into my schedule. That's too much. I can't handle this. I keep falling. I... And we get stressed and discipleship is not easy. It's not light. It doesn't feel right. And we wonder, how is this possible? How can this be true? But we're carrying two yokes. Another phrase in this text, it's from the Jewish rabbis of Jesus' day was the phrase, learn from me. And the Greek term, when Jesus says, learn from me, the Greek term he uses is menthano. And it's the same root word that we get the word disciple, which is mathetes, uh, or the, the word go make disciples, become disciples. And this idea of learn from me, a, a better translation might be become my apprentice. When Jesus says, learn from me, he says, become my apprentice. And nowadays, we think of apprenticeship as maybe Six quick weeks of, of training when we enter a new job or get hired at a new firm. Or we think apprenticeship as 
orientation week freshman year in university. And the fact is we live in a, in a culture saturated with quick fixes, mm -hmm. fast paces, little commitment, yeah. relationships that are all about kind of doing something rather than becoming like one another. You know, in Jesus's day, apprenticeship was a lifelong commitment and a lifelong calling. To be a Jewish rabbi or a Jewish teacher's apprentice meant you would follow them wherever they go, that you would do as they do. Your single goal was to become like them. You can think of a blacksmith, a blacksmith's apprentice, someone who's coming of age and says, this is what I want my calling to be. And they train for years under the blacksmith until they can do everything just as the blacksmith does. And then they go and be a blacksmith, right? That's an apprenticeship. But that's also what this, uh, what this yoke of Jesus is. Jesus's yoke is to become like Jesus, to learn from him because he is gentle and humble at heart. Learning from Jesus means living into discipleship with Jesus. And one cannot expect to, to learn about him and try to practice his teachings when it's convenient and assume that this yoke will be easy and light. Yeah. It'll be burdensome. You're trying to be a blacksmith and be just like a blacksmith, but you're over there playing the stock market. And you're over there, um, I don't know, doing some other thing too, <laughs> right? When we have other yokes upon us, Jesus's yoke feels burdensome. Yeah. And so my second point for us this morning is get yoked, is get yoked. But it's gotta be the yoke of Jesus. Mm -hmm. We've gotta be joined to Jesus. And what that means is we've gotta break all other yokes. We've gotta break all other yokes. And this may sound all good and true. Mm -hmm. In the original language, when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, a better translation for his yoke is, his yoke fits right. That word easy means, means fits right. It makes sense. But some of us are hearing this and we're like, I just don't, I, does the, how do we do this? Does this really fit right? Does this really make sense for me? And we're hearing this and we're feeling as if we're still trying to fit into our high school genes that don't really fit right anymore. We're trying to fit into our high school genes and walk on the streets, but our genes, the style's changed a little bit, right? <laughs> and these genes don't fit right. The, the style isn't right. It doesn't really fit right. And we're wondering, what does this really look like? Can I really put on a different yoke than what I'm used to? We might be feeling like, you know, some of us, honestly, we might be feeling like our yoke fits fine the way it is right now. And if that's the case, maybe we feel justified in our yoke. And whether we're in the camp where we feel like, man, this yoke just doesn't fit. I, I don't know if I can bear it. Or we're in the camp where we're like, man, I feel pretty justified with where my yoke's at right now. I pray that each of us can ask a mentor in our lives and ask them, hey, how do you see my yoke fitting on me right now? Is the yoke I'm bearing, does it seem to be fitting right? What do you see in the rhythms of my life? Who is the person that you see me becoming if these patterns in my life persist? And you may still be wondering, this sounds good, but how do we actually do this? You know, I can ask a mentor, I can, I can analyze my, my yoke, I can look at Jesus. What do I, how do I actually take on his yoke? Like, what does that mean? What does that look like practically? And I believe we take on Jesus' yoke, his way, by formulating our own 
rule of life to assist us in living into Jesus' life. Yeah. And I'm going to define what that is really quick, that, that rule of life. Um, but this is my single practical for us this morning is, and for this week, is for us to formulate our own rule of life. And a rule of life is basically a roadmap to spiritual formation into the yoke of Jesus. Okay, a roadmap to spiritual formation into the yoke or the way of Jesus. And a rule of life, it's a term that St. Benedict came up with many, many, many years ago. And what a rule of life is, is, is he practiced ordering his life to match the order of Jesus's life. Okay. What that means is having a rule of life allows us to ask ourselves, who do we wish to become? Mm-hmm. And what rhythms help me live into that person? Right. Asking ourselves questions like what, what rhythms draw me into the spirit's presence? And what rhythms take me away from the spirit's presence? Who is the person that looks like Jesus that I'm trying to become? The thing is, I, I know most of you guys, I, I know you guys love Jesus. I know you guys know that if we are all like Jesus, this world is a better place. Mm-hmm. But the practicals of actually being like Jesus can be hard. And so we need to ask ourselves, who do I want to become to be like Jesus? And what are the rhythms that are going to help me live into that practice? We might ask ourselves, what daily, weekly, monthly, and annual rhythms can shape me into a Jesus-shaped person? the very person that God intends to transform me into. Now I invite each of you as my one practical today to formulate your own rule of life this week and share it with a few brothers and sisters and ask for each other's feedback. You know, when we look at the yoke of Jesus, the, the ordering of Jesus' life, Jesus' rule of life, he always had time for hospitality. He lived and found rest out of being in silence and solitude with God, out of deep prayer, a knowledge of the scriptures, an implementation of the scriptures, a communion with God, a heart of generosity and abundance and trust, not scarcity. I ask us what deep daily, weekly, monthly, and annual rhythms will help us live into being a person of silence, solitude, prayer, scripture, peace, generosity, generosity, Uh, communion with God. And I just want to lift up uh, David Brazier, who yesterday just, I don't don't know why, but the spirit must have been prompting him to invite whoever over to his home to just make brunch for them and offer hospitality. Mm -hmm. And I got to receive hospitality from him. And I, I thought, I was like, rhythms like this, making space in our life for rhythms like this impact people, but they impact us. Mm -hmm. They help us become like Jesus help this world see Jesus. That is the yoke of Jesus. And when we cultivate a rule of life like this, one filled with rhythms that match Jesus's rhythms, that help us walk to the beat that Jesus walked to, we're able to truly respond to Jesus's invitation to take his yoke upon us and learn from him. We start actually learning the way he learned, living the way he lived, and we discover, just as Jesus We are not heavy laden. We are not laboring. We're not burdened. That discipleship isn't laborsome, but it's a life of peace and rest. It's a life of joy and a life to the full. And we actually can become like Jesus. It's not impossible when we're yoked to him and only him. 
And we might just find that his way is good, that his way does fit right. And we may have rest in our souls. Amen. To God be the glory. 